Welcome back for another helping of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. I'm your host, Ross Boland, joined today, as always, by your other host, Mr. Barrett Dudley, to bring you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs. Barrett, how goes it on this fine Tuesday? Oh, well, hello. Oh, hi. Um, you know, just uh, in the stew, wearing the same color tea as you. We do match a little. Yeah. A little awkward. Which is cool. Which on the is video. fun. YouTube.com. What are we? We're like, the, we're like the taupe twins, I would say. We're oatmeal boys. We're oatmeal boys, yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's all good. Huzzah! What, what more? Huzzah! What more could you want on a uh, on a Tuesday afternoon here? Food, some food. I'm a little mm. hungry. Okay. If you're asking, gotcha. Just gotcha. saying. I just had a stick of gum. Are you full? Uh, I'm very full. Yeah. <laughs> Got some ice cubes over here in the water in the water canister. If uh, I if I get a little famished, caloric you know, intake there with the, the ice right, cubes. Exactly. Exactly. What kind so, of gum? What kind of gum did you have going? Uh, I am a. I'm a. Uh, Wow, how, why can I not even think of the brand that I like? It's the one... Juicy Fruit? No, it's not Orbit. Maybe it's Orbit? It's the one, it slides out and you punch it out. Is it Dentine? Is it Dentine Ice? I don't know. I'm a big league chew guy. No, you're not. No, I'm not anymore. I'm not think a it's, gum guy anymore. No, it's not. I don't think it's... No, it is Dentine Ice. It's Dentine Ice. Dentine Ice. That's what I like. I'm a Dentine Ice boy. Can we catch a Dentine Ice sponsorship? Dentine Ice people, get at us. We'd love to talk. Wait, no, it's not Dentine Ice. Never mind, Shit. Dentine Ice, which, you're out. Which, which gum do I like? You're out. I, I guess Damn we'll it, Ross. Barrett, hey, look, man, it's not my fault. You've got no now fucking you've got idea. Me all, you just, now you've got me all cra- crazed to figure flustered. out what, what, uh, what the gum is that I like. What the hell did you put in your mouth? <laughs> what the hell? Uh, we're starting out with everyone's favorite segment today before diving back into Eclipse. HBO. It's ah, Eclipse. There Eclipse we go. Gum. Thank you. That was going to drive me crazy. I'm a big wind. I like the winter frost. It's the like the blue, the dark blue packaging. Winter frost. Winter frost. Eclipse. That's, okay. That's my that's my shit. Eclipse people get at us. Yeah. We'd where's our, where's our eclipse sponsorship? We would love to talk. We're going to start out with everyone's favorite segment before diving back into HBO's Perry Mason for the most recent episode, Chapter Six. Then, then Clam Fam, we're finally discussing my new favorite show, Hulu's The Great. Episodes one through five. Huzzah! Huzzah! But first, this episode of OCC is brought to you by Hawthorne. Too many dudes I know picked a cologne in high school and have been rocking with that ever since, and it's a disaster. You smell like a high school gym locker room or a teen apparel store in the mall. But smelling good is important, and that's where Hawthorne comes in. Hawthorne smells really, really good, and getting their cologne is so damn easy. When you go to Hawthorne.co, you'll take their quick quiz to figure out which scents are best for you. It legit takes two minutes, and just by taking it, you'll see exactly what they're doing for you, hitting with you, hitting you with the two colognes that are best for you, one for work, and one for play. Totally risk-free shipping and free returns. They also have uh, other incredible personalized products like deodorant, shampoo, body wash, conditioner, all of which I use every single day in my shower, and I thoroughly enjoy it, and I smell like an angel from heaven. This morning in the shower, I got the shampoo, got the conditioner, got the body wash going. After I hit a workout, and now I don't smell like a dying dog anymore. I smell like a, like I said, an angel from heaven. Are we talking about Hawthorne? We are talking about Hawthorne, Hawthorne? baby. Hawthorne? Hawthorne, baby. Dude, check out the candles, too. Good candles. Ass, good ass candles. Is that the case? People don't even know that. Beautiful. The quiz is uh, super easy, super quick. It asks you all the questions you've ever wanted to be asked about your hair and skin type and such. Straight or curly, oily or dry, all that good stuff. And Hawthorne is going to get you everything your skin, hair, and body need to stay so fresh and stoke, so clean. Excuse me. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E with an E on the end. Use our promo code DRAGON. And you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That's, again, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E, Hawthorne.co. And use our code DRAGON to get 10% off your purchase. Hawthorne.co, code DRAGON. It's time for tidbits and such. Oh, tidbits. With time Barrett. for the tidbits. Okay. And some such. Uh, and a little bit of such, too. Would you prefer... You tell me where you want to start. Do you want to start with Disney or do you want to start with HBO? Hit me in the face with the such first, the, the HBO. The HBO, the yeah. HBO. Okay. Yeah. Um, they've begun casting for the Game of Thrones prequel series. They have indeed. Big we're, news. We're getting two, at least two female lead roles. Uh, Ryanra Targaryen, I think I'm saying that. Ryan, Ryan. It's almost certainly not. Ryan, Ryanura, Ryanura. 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 <laughs> I, you know I don't know. Sam, Samsonite, Sw- Swami, 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 Swanson. Um, so... <laughs> 
For that role, uh, Rhaenya Targaryen, they're looking for someone in their late 20s. And Queen Alicent Hightower, who should be slightly older, filming is currently scheduled to take place next year in the UK and in Spain. Oh, Spain. So, yeah. Um, If you've read Fire or Blood or have spent a lot of time on the assorted Game of Thrones wikis, then you'll probably know these characters. But so as to not potentially spoil the show for anyone, I won't get into their stories here. I'm I'm quoting here from an article from the New York Post. Anyway, so just a little just a real tidbit there that that um, that the Game of Thrones prequel has begun casting. They are expecting to shoot at some point next year and House of the Dragon called House of the uh, called House of the Dragon. And um, logo, we believe the that the series will come to HBO in 2022. Now, that doesn't seem very far away at all. So, well, I, I, I to me, it does seem far away. It's just it's it, we've talked about this before, so I won't dwell on it. But mm, sure, it's a miss. It's a misfire to to have Game of Thrones and, and then not be have off it the air ready. off Game of Thrones air for three years. Fair enough. Like that's just. I mean, obviously pandemic has 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 thrown a wrench in the in the wheel here i i expect that without it they would have gotten this thing on in 21 but you know i don't know maybe maybe it's a brilliant move maybe three years removed everybody will be so hard up and fiending for some new game of thrones See, that's the argument i was gonna make is that people were so butthurt and heartbroken right. by the final season that it's like maybe they needed that 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 grace period to forgive and forget yeah you know yeah yeah. Some other key uh, figures from the uh, the upcoming House of the Dragon that they're going to need to cast. King Viserys the first. Mm, mm, He's mm. the beloved fifth Targaryen king whose reign was peaceful and prosperous until his death. Yeah, he's always been my favorite Targaryen king. Yeah, I would, I would yeah. say. And then, as you mentioned, Princess top three at least. Rhaenyra. 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 It's gotta be Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. It's okay. gotta be. Uh, king Viserys' chosen heir. She's a dragon rider who grew up expecting to become the first ruling queen of Westeros. And then Alicent Hightower, you mentioned. And then Aegon II Targaryen, who's Rhaenyra's younger half-brother, who challenges her claim to the throne, igniting a civil war. Let's go! Are you... uh, Do you feel good, neutral, or bad about Sapochnik being the showrunner of this one? I feel good. At least it's somebody who can see where everything went horrifically wrong. Surely he has the perspective to be like, okay, let's avoid these same pitfalls. Yeah, yeah, maybe. It's uh, my, my only thing is like, it, Sapochnik, he's, he's now almost, and I don't want to put these two quite in the same category because they're, they're both, they're very different for, for a variety of reasons. But it, it, it's almost like you have Michael Bay doing a series and that his specialty was like the massive set pieces that's you fair. know, Battle of Winterfell, fair. Battle of the Bastards, like all, like all these like insane. The Long Night, right? Yeah, Battle of Winterfell. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So that so that that's like that was his specialty, right? When it when it came to directing Game of Thrones episodes, Winds of Winter. So hard home, right? Exactly. So uh, like now, Winds of Winter, fantastic episode. Still big set pieces involved. Battle of the Bastards and phenomenal. Right, right. So we'll see. I think it's a. I think it's a net positive. I. I think that. I think that means at the very least you're going to get a very beautiful and well shot show. At look pre season eight shit storm, we were all on board with Sapochnik. It was yes. we would have been totally cool with this. It's just the wariness we have as a result of what happened at the end True. of season eight. Anyway, very excited to see if. Yeah. Here's the thing: I can't get too excited about this shit until I see if it actually is going to make make its if it's going to happen if it's going to be on television. We already went through the hype of this Naomi Watts one. No, that so got this canned. one they went direct to series. So it's just it's they, promised there, there will be ten episodes at least one season of this show. This it's, makes no sense to me. It's crazy. Yeah. How is one? It gets cast. They do a pilot, and they're like, eh. yeah. "This one, they're like, it's not even cast. We don't they, care. Here's the money. Go for do whatever thing. reason. They just they have a lot more faith in this one. And the, so the vibe that I get is that the first one, the Naomi Watts one, that was you know backed by the Cogman and all that. Yeah, yeah. I think that that one was like their speculative, quirky. This is a little bit different. This is more straight up HBO." style okay and then for whatever reason it didn't work out they bailed they didn't like the pilot they thought it was the wrong direction whatever i don't know um this one is h feels like it's directed at hbo max this feels like the at&t execs 
were like, you know what we need? More CGI dragons. Ah. So th- this one feels like the kind of, this is right up the gut, very low risk. They're running the football. The big action scenes, more dragons. It's like, oh yeah, people love those dragons. So that concerns me. They love Some. those dragons. But also, I mean, it was only a matter of time before HBO made a pivot to keep up with the likes right, exactly. of Netflix so that's by what doing I'm more like, generic. This one, yes, this one feels of, more like their. Yes, that, this is that, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't even have to be able to read. Yes. Look at the dragon. Um, how sp- they flame. Speaking of prequels, while I'm here on this tidbit, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be a prequel series of The Witcher on Netflix called The Witcher Blood Origin. I oh, have. For I, fuck's I, sake. I. I don't know any more than that, Ross. Uh, it, I've heard it described as a live action prequel which i never know what that means i really i truly don't i mean there's some humans sometimes that means it's animated but not really like the lion king remember that was a live action remake right but the witcher was okay i guess they have to say that because it was a video game maybe to clarify that like it's not going to be animated it's going to be humans yeah but i i yeah so this is interesting it's going back 1200 years before henry cavill's the witcher do we need to do did we need it's to very do this? soon. It's very soon for a Witcher prequel, is it we're, not? <laughs> we're one season into The Witcher, and now they're working on a prequel. That's correct. That's correct. What this tells me here, if I'm reading, you know, in between the lines, Witcher was a big success for Netflix. Apparently, Jesus. Yeah. Blood Origin. Yeah. All right. Well, a six-part live-action limited series. See, I don't know what that means. Here's what I wonder. Did they get some fucking gnarly, badass six-episode script that is going to give even more fuel to The Witcher by giving us background in prequel form? That's possible. Maybe yeah. that's the aim here. Is to Because you and I, we, you know, we enjoyed The Witcher, but we weren't, like, fanboying out or anything. We sure. weren't, like, bonkers for waiting for season two. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch it when it comes out. But that being said, maybe this throws more uh, coal into the old steam engine there. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Um, okay, back to a quick HBO tidbit here. Really more some such, I guess. I was kind of amped up for this documentary about the Golden State Killer, sure. otherwise known as Eron's, uh-huh. the East Area Rapist and the original Night Stalker, I believe, ONS. Yeah, he for. got himself a lot of names, this guy. So I started episode one uh, over the weekend on, on HBO. Oh, no. And... I have finally reached a show that I cannot watch in the pandemic. Because it's too dark? I can't do this one. It, it's, for whatever reason, this is hitting different buttons than, like, all the Ted Bundy shit. Really? And Now I'm so in. And I and I can't do it. I just can't do it. I've had Was it the, too grisly? Like, is it the tone of no, it? No, it? there, there is something about this guy's crimes that feels so much more invasive and so much... This dude is the, this dude is the realest motherfucker out there. Like as far as serial killers go, what he was doing, mm. like he was going into your house. Bef- he's way more he's way more BTK than Ted Bundy. You know how Ted Bundy was like this charming guy that was like sick inside. You and know, like, and but he was he was kind of swindling these girls. Yeah, yeah. Like talk, almost charming them, charming into, them into to to the bad situations at a lot of time in a lot of instances. Right. So you, you take that knowledge and like for some, you know, for us, it's like, well, we're, we're, we're not women. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you can, you can remove yourself from, from that. Right. Because of the way that he was operating. Eron's was coming into your house, setting up all of his shit beforehand, then leaving, then coming back and then getting into your house and um, like raping people over and over and over again. Have you heard of his dishes trick? No. So he would he'd make he would make the, the the girlfriends or the wives tie up the husbands in the bed on their stomach and then he would go to the kitchen and grab a stack of dishes and he would put the dishes on the dude's back and be like if I hear these rattle or move or fall your girlfriend or your wife is dead. Ah. Oh. So he did really fucking evil shit. Like just uh, and look Ted Bundy also, but more okay. The, the, it's like also realistic... straight up evil. But this is this is on another level as far as like this this shit could happen to you. 
Right. Because okay, this guy I understand just, what you mean. Because this guy's breaking into your house and it's just like it's just is just a just brutal crimes just brutal at crime. a base yeah. level done with like simple strategies that you could think of as a normal human being. Yes. Like you don't have to have Ted Bundy's brain to come up with this shit. Yeah. And and yeah, and it's then it's the longevity of his crimes, the the manner in which he was the, okay, so the little bit I have read about him, I will say it's very disturbing to hear about how it was often these couples and he was, you know, the dude would be have to be tied up and like hear what was happening. That element of it is very different. Typically serial killers don't fuck around with like right. the chance that anybody could escape. They're not putting plates on dudes' backs as an alarm system. They just murder and kill and yeah. rape or wouldn't it's 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 like more straightforward. This dude who I did not realize they had started calling Eurons as a combination of East Area Rapist and the original Night Stalker, uh was just like you said, just like more cold, yeah, somehow than any of them. And then like when you see pictures of him and shit, yeah, you can feel it like you through just his really fucking can. beady little eyes. So it's it's uh, now I have to watch it. Yeah. Now here here's my other critique. The I I didn't love the the setup of the show either. It felt like I was watching a visual podcast in a way. Hmm. Okay. And so there there was. There was something to like, I didn't, I, there was basically nothing on screen that I, that I had to see that like aided in any of the, there's a lot of reading of emails. There's, there, there's quotes from her book. And now this is, uh, this part, this is partially due to the fact that Michelle McNamara has, has since passed. So they can't have her kind of speaking, speaking and navigating through the show. They have to use all this old, these old clips and, and stuff from her, her book and her correspondence and her emails and all that. Um, but just all in all, it, I've also, I've determined that I have what is called globus, not a stressed out person, Ross, I did not deal with stress or anxiety pre pandemic. Mm. After many months of this, I, 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 of, 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 you know, limited social interaction, no movies, no dinners, no friends, no, no, this, no, that, like just all the things just removed that, that make you a sane, normal person. I now just have like this weird tightness across my throat even though i can breathe fine and nothing's wrong with me what and um it it got it, like it was it got so bad while watching this episode of television that i like felt like i was on the verge of having a panic attack oh fuck so long story short i'll be gone in the dark is a no for me <laughs> globus hystericus yeah Wow, I had I have never heard of. I this. had never heard of it either. Oh, really? But I kept I kept googling around trying to figure out what the hell was wrong with me. And this is what you landed. And this is what I landed on. It's because it it can it can be triggered by emotional stress and anxiety. Holy fuck! Among other things, I'm gonna have to research this some. So. Very interesting. Well, I guess I'll watch it. See and what then you, think. you you can earmuffs, and I'll talk about it or something. I look. I can't not watch the Golden State Killer doc on Netflix. I just maybe, based on your reaction at the very least, it's not something I'm rushing to get to. It's on HBO. HBO, not excuse Netflix. me. But um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to get your take on whether it is, on whether you think it's watchable. Okay. Like beyond, like I would rather, I'm still interested in this case once things are a little bit calmer. And, and my life is put back together in a more normal fashion. 2025. I would be, yeah, right, exactly. I would be interested in listening to a podcast or something about this. Uh-huh. But, but, the, sh- but the show- The visual element of it. The, yeah, and it just wasn't, it was both creeping me out too much and also wasn't adding enough, like, co- contextually- Sure. To the story. Sure. So. Well, and there's always like, it's like, well, you have to ask yourself with these true crime documentaries especially, it's like, why am I watching this? Like, what am I getting out of watching yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and right now, if the answer is like, I don't think anything, yeah, then yes. then fuck it. Like, Great point. It's a tough time to yeah. be just watching. I, th- listen, on paper, what you're doing is watching the story of one of the most insane and evil humans to walk the earth during our time on this planet so yeah. far. That's a heavy ass load to take on during a global pandemic. When you're trying to deal with Globus, <laughs> it's a lot, bro. Um, yeah. Any other so, such? Yeah. So I'll, I'll flip the script on you now and just say that we did a little bit of your Disney Plus action, just going back and watching the old Disney shit, and we put on Toy Story on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Brilliant film. Holds up. 95 Toy Story was. 95. 1995. That's 25 years ago, and it, it's still fresh, man. 
Tom great, Hanks. Great little film. Tim Allen. Yeah. That rat bastard. <laughs> great movie though. I watched it. I watched. That's one of the ones yeah. I ran through. What's anyway? So uh, my my question for you here was: What out of all the old Disney movies that you've watched has anything stood out as like your all time favorite? Oh man, the Sword in the Stone is is one I've watched multiple times. Okay, and I think it's like just the tale of like art. Like it's just a cool. I don't know. I don't know why that one because it's so old. It is so freaking old. Let me see when it came out. The Sword in the Stone. 1963. Wow. So I really enjoy like the old school, really, really old school ones. And that one's just super, super fun. And they don't have the Brave Little Toaster on there. or That would probably be my answer. But no, nah, man, because all the old ones that I watched, like Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, the ones I'd seen so many times over and over and over. It was fun to relive them, but it didn't really bring like some new element to me or something. The Sword in the Stone has just been like so thoroughly enjoyable. I don't know why. Yeah. Okay. But all Toy right. Story was dope. Um, yeah, Toy Story, great film. Final tidbit here, the uh, 2020 Emmy nominations yeah. came out this morning. They did indeed. And I'm not going to read them all off to you. It's very easy to find online. Just a, a few quick notes here. Jeffrey Wright, who had shit all to do in this season of Westworld, is nominated somehow. Everybody from the morning show, except for Reese Witherspoon, is nominated. Also just strange uh on the bonus side also like everybody from succession kieran calkin nicholas braun for supporting uh jeremy strong for lead actor so that's great zendaya got a nomination for lead actress for euphoria which is very cool respect zendaya um and watchmen finds itself in the limited series category which a means I'd be really shocked if we get another season of it, at least not anytime soon. Two it means they're probably gonna. I, I would I would imagine that they will sweep this the limited series category. This always seems to happen. Something like this comes along and kind of cheats a little bit by putting itself in this category <laughs> and then wins all of the awards. It's got little fires everywhere in there with it. I haven't watched. That. Yeah, but I mean, really, like like well, I, I guess little fires everywhere was was a commercial success. Mm-hmm. I think it was, it had mixed reviews critically. Mrs. America and that, Mrs. America, Unbelievable and Unorthodox all have far stronger reviews. Word. So, but but I think Watchmen, I think Watchmen is, is probably the clear front runner here. I'm seeing The Good Place, your, Good. your comedy, mm-hmm. uh, and also Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek. All yep. over the place. All over the place. Which is huge. How about The Mandalorian? How about the Mandalorian? How about this for a flip, a flip flop? Maisel, an hour long series that I guess is a comedy, but really it's a drama, is nominated in the comedy series section. And the Mandalorian is in drama. A little half hour you Star know, Wars. Star Wars funsies. funsies, which I would argue almost maybe more so belongs in the comedy. Yeah. Is in the drama. This is the thing about the freaking Emmys and the Academy Awards, and they just don't seem to be able to get their categories straight, and it's also complicated. I'll say this is some heavy-ass competition in Best Drama with Better Call Saul, uh, Ozark, Succession, Succession. Killing Eve. Killing Eve. This is how The Handmaid's Tale got in there, I I do not know. Yeah, and the, the other weird thing with Handmaid's Tale, all these Handmaid's Tale nominations, I don't, because of the, like, it's about to come out. So is this season two or because this feels like the this feels like the third time that Handmaid's Tale has been nominated, which means that it's really for the season that hasn't even debuted yet. What? So I I don't know. Maybe it's season two. Maybe I'm ass backwards here. But I think you're ass backwards. Handmaid's Tale nominated. um, Netflix smashed the record for most noms with 160, breaking the record set by HBO last year. HBO had 107 this year coming in second. They, them closing HBO dominated this every single year until very recently with the nominations and they would always do the commercial again the most nominations for the Emmys and it would like flash through every show and it's like they has to be killing them not to be able to do those badass fucking promos that they normally do yeah what are they gonna do second behind Netflix no <laughs> dude like they need to get back up there yeah. and I gotta say based on volume Netflix is 160 compared to HBO's 107. The 107 is still much more impressive to me. Netflix cranks out 420 new shows every right, week right. and a half. Yeah. 
Speaking of succession, Sarah Snook nominated. Uh, Matt, that that is, of course, Shiv. Matthew McFadden. Um, what's his face? Tom nominated. Kieran Culkin. Nicholas Braun, who's of course cousin Greg, nominated. Jeremy Strong. The only one that I don't see is actually uh, what uh, you know, Logan. Sad. Brian Cox. Brian Cox. Thank you. Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Oh wait, no, I see him. Best actor, Brian Cox, Succession. Oh, so they're both. He and Jeremy Strong. Man, that. that so the is entire a, cast of Succession was nominated. That is a category. Jason Bateman, Sterling K. Brown, Steve Carell. You're right. They're both there. Brian Cox, Billy Porter. I don't know who the fuck that is. And Jeremy Strong. That's a tough, tough little toughie there. Billy Porter from Pose. He's that, like, super fabulous gay guy that always oh, yeah, yeah, comes yeah, yeah. in with, like, the just the most wild-ass, awesome outfits. outfits. These fucking outfits. That the hat that, like, off. does the curtain thing. That was so awesome just absolutely dominates red yes. carpets unlike anything you've ever seen before in your entire life. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Well, yeah. So, to uh, what you will notice that there was no Westworld other than Jeffrey Wright. That's right. And, and Jeffrey Wright is one of those actors that like people love, right? Everything that he's in, his performance is at least good, even if he's given dog shit to work with. He's one of the best on every show he's so in. So I and feel like that's just like one of those ones where we're like, we love you, Jeffrey. Yeah. Good job out there. Jeffrey Wright, you're doing it. Sorry, they wrote you a shitty season, bro. We'll still give you your award if you want it. Yeah, yeah he's he deserves to be there, though. So. Damn. That's it. That's all I got for you, man. Well, good stuff and tidbits and such. And such. The stuff, the tidbits, the such, it's all here. It was all phenomenal. Let's yeah. talk Perry Mason, season one, episode six, chapter six, if you will, uh, where basically, in the grand scheme of things, what we've got here is the court case is unfolding. And Perry, Perry is in there as a very unexperienced, brand new attorney who got his license in about six minutes of montage last episode. <laughs> and uh, he's just getting his freaking ass kicked by the very experienced prosecutor on the other side. What, we're also, what we also find out throughout the course of this episode is that, look, everybody wants this to go away. They all just want to pin it on Emily and have it go away. The judge, the prosecution... Whoever the higher-ups are that pull strings in this little community that we're looking at here in, in it's Los Angeles, right? Yes. Yes. City of uh, Angels. City of Angels. It, it, they all want this to go away. Meanwhile, we've got Perry's, you know, buddy duo guy off doing his thing, finding things, interviewing portly women with file cabinets to see what they've got going on, mm-hmm. trying to figure out who this H.J. or... <laughs> ZJ or whatever the fuck yeah, the guy was there. You have to board. ask. You can't afford it. You can't. You much. can't. I can't afford it. I know that. Um, <clears throat> then he does figure out who this guy is. Into the episode, shows up to his house to talk to him. Dude opens the door and goes, "I've been waiting for you to find me." And he's got a gun with him that he reveals as he steps to the side. Now, this to me struck me as a, a bait and switch situation. Oh, it's for sure. It's one million percent a bait and switch. Because he's holding the gun casually to his side, Barrett. Yes. This is a very quick tackle away from being unarmed. He was waiting to be found. The gun is for protection from the, from the other guys. Be- yes. From the other guys. Yes. This is Correct. where it's, you you got to guess this is going to start to unravel in, in a good way for Perry, where they finally get some breakthrough from this cat. H.J. <laughs> it's not what it is at all. Uh, <laughs> it's like, j- it's, uh, it's two fucking j- letters. J.H. J.H. Smith or something like that. Yeah. what j- Little J. Big H or something. I, something I don't like know. That. Yeah. I don't know. But. Nailed it. Didn't feel like Perry was in danger uh, no. with this gun situation. Felt like he had gotten himself a little breakthrough there. Yeah. 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 What else happened in this fucking episode? Oh, oh let's see. Um, Paul Drake comes around, wants to help, wants to help out here. Gets, gets his family off uh, to somewhere safe, which mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping this is a red herring type of situation. Like, they can't, for the love of God, don't kill the black cop who makes the right choice. Like, can we not have him be the scapegoat? Would you like a minor spoiler? Yes. So. Skip forward if you don't. Skip forward if you don't. Probably twice, maybe. In the original Perry Mason, the guy that is... Perry Mason, the attorney's like right hand PI that like does the dirty work for him, is named Paul Drake. Oh wow! So so he's gonna live. So he's he's gonna live. All right, we're back. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, 
That's huge because I was very, you know, it just seemed like an obvious setup. Right. And then you get into the reverse psychology situation where it's like, well, this is too obvious. Clearly he'll live. And then it's like, well, what if the writers thought of that? And they were like, let's now, reverse the reverse and kill this fucker. The bad news is that, as you said last week, that puts our man Pete Strickland right in the cross crosshairs, I would say. That little tidbit of, of information. And the fact that Pete has gone the morally clean route, is no longer worried about the money. It's about getting shit yeah. done and he's out there doing the work <laughs> and it's like, you know Pete's getting a bullet. Yeah, it doesn't look good for Pete right now, sadly. Because somebody's got to go. Pro it, does, it feels that the way. The whole team can't stay intact other than EB. Now, this is... Now, this is... Look, as, as, we, as we hurdle towards the finish line here, this is more of a procedural crime of the season type story you know it's almost like it like like it, it's it's not straight up law and order with right. with a open and shut closed case every week and the noise they're stretching that out bum, bum. they're stretching that out over the season and we're obviously on hbo here so it's gritty it's noir we got a lot of cursing maybe uh maybe a tit here and there some brutality uh brutality we're dealing with the the d divisiveness and and racism and the the corruption all that right oh yeah but it's still i'm i'm getting that vibe that it's really it's about the mystery it's about the case it's about the fun of like the who done it and everything else is kind of the the subtext right is the is the are the b storylines sure so in that sense, it's like, they don't have to kill off anybody. Nah, you're but, right. But if they do... We're worried for Pete. Which, and again, it's HBO, so they might. They might take that turn. We're worried about Pete, yes. With good reason. We have given him a lot of credit already, but Stephen Root, as the prosecutor, is he's just unbelievable. He's very good. Where he, where he, first of all, he makes you hate him so much, but when he turns on Emily... And says straight up that she killed her child and the way that this fool's eyes get like three times bigger on his uh. head. <laughs> like on my couch, I was like, ah, fuck, he's coming for me next. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, having the um, the woman come up on the stand and straight up lie struck me as just one of those moments where it's like, look, dude. We all know you're sworn to the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth when you go up on the stand. And you put your hand on a Bible and all that. In what reality do we believe that that you know, there's not enough morally corrupt people that would go up on the stand and lie? It's just something that I never really think about. That it would be so easy for a prosecution for a for, to get or a defense really to get someone to lie on the stand. And this woman tells a bold faced lie that that legit sets the courtroom on fire. Like. Everybody's up out of their chairs. It looks terrible for Emily. The jury at this point is just physically disgusted with her. I think people are literally clutching their pearls. Yes. <laughs> people are like, Billy Costa. And it's like, yeah, I just don't. Anyway, Stephen Root. Yeah, he's freak. he he's he's uh, freak of an actor. It's great. What, uh, let's see, well, I was going to say something else there when you were talking about that, and it's gone. And it's gone. <laughs> the two cops, uh, okay, so one cop- Oh, Ennis and Holcomb, yeah, they're, they're- Which one's dirtier? So, Ennis is the one that they like for the crime. Okay. He's the one that straight up looks like a 1930s bad guy. And almost, yeah, look, he should be going, look here, see? Look here, see? Look here, copper. The thing you did wrong was you didn't suspect me, see? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so his buddy- <laughs> Holcomb shows up to his house and is like, dude, what the hell have you done? And I fully expect Ennis to murder this cat right. and like put him in the right. trunk right there. But Ennis is like, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I got mixed up in some stuff, you see? Yeah. And it went horribly wrong from there. And Holcomb's like, who else can think? And you think Holcomb's like breaking good? Yes, yes. And then the opposite. He's and like, the, yeah. who else Who else could pin you, like finger you for this? And he's like, well, I've got a, look, a list here, see? And he's like, let's kill them all. And you're like, oh, fuck. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to imagine... Bad news. Pete Strickland is... Oh, uh, yes. Oh, I didn't even... Yes. I didn't even tie those two. He got by these cops, probably. Damn. Because he's out asking a lot of questions, man. He is. He is. He's doing too good of a job, some he's say. just doing too good of a job. <laughs> For free, too. Yeah. Doesn't I, even care about the money anymore, man. Dude, it, it, it's, a, it's an... Um, 
not awkward thing, just ironic that it that it came up in this episode because it's been such a big part of the conversation around police brutality in our mm-hmm. country this year, the the blue brotherhood, right? Like sort of that idea that once you're a cop, like you do not rat on other cops. You do not turn other cops in. You in every dirty cop situation in every dirty cop movie ever, what happens to the guy who doesn't take the money? That guy gets fucked up because yeah. they don't trust him anymore. Drake takes the money, does the smart thing, but then he goes and immediately makes the right choice and tells Perry, like, look, I'm on board to, to try to help you here. Zero, zero, zero. Mm. Guy didn't take the money. You got to take the money. If, and, and then you can correct Ends it up later. Ends Patsy. Yeah. Hanging off a bridge. Yeah. Not a good look. No. But it's just weird that that, that thing kind of came to a head again with this one guy looking like maybe he would break good. And then going. Yeah, no, I had this, I had way. the exact same sense. I was like, "Oh, damn, is is something crazy going to happen here?" And then, yeah, he 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 spins it. He turns it with the "We got to kill everybody that could they could pin you down for this." What a, so. what a great partner. <laughs> I mean, I'm just. But that's a problem, yeah. big problem. Yeah. yeah. So, best of luck to our uh, Perry stumbling in the courtroom a little bit. Do you expect him to get better next week? I bet he's a better lawyer next week. Yeah, you saw, but you know, you saw, I guess it's like, look, they made him a lawyer in what, like I said, like 90, montage, 90 seconds. They couldn't have just had him also dominant in the courtroom against Steven Root, who's like this godlike prosecutor. Right, right. So yeah, I think we'll see little incremental improvements and then a big breakthrough at some point where he'll get to take a dump on Steven Root's face, which I look forward to. Were you noticing the old courtroom and like the differences between a modern courtroom and a, and a, and like this old one? No. Like, I, I thought it was interesting. Are you asking it, me because I've spent so much time in court? No. <laughs> no. It's a fair I, just, question. Just, just as we're comparing this to other procedurals where we spend a lot of time in, in courtrooms, uh-huh. uh, the tables, instead of being, like, in line with the pews, essentially, with the, mm-hmm. with the, with the seating rows, are, like, they're perpendicular instead of parallel. Oh, okay. Uh, that, it, was just, uh, it was just something of note. You, yeah. don't, you don't see that these days. No. The judge not wearing a robe as as they would in modern day. God, I hate every judge ever. Has there uh, ever been so, a likable judge? Certainly not on TV. So just, I don't know. Other than Judy. Some stuff. And then, oh, I liked Perry Mason uh, almost doing the 1930s voice, but really it was just his, it was Perry Mason's English accent, or reg- American accent version of doing a John Lithgow impression. Yeah, he was, he was doing EB. We'll see what you did all wrong there, boy Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And then it, and then that lasted a while. Yeah, he went on like a full drive cross country by himself, <laughs> just talking to himself as EB. It's very yeah. awkward. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I've loved this show, man. I, I thought that it was. Uh, before, oh fuck! The one really powerful thing that happened on the stand before we move on, when they had the motel owner testify that he caught Emily and George Gannon having sex in an adjoining room and that they left the baby in the other room and did like the pillow thing around him in an attempt to... Look, we all know the argument from the other side is her, make, her being a bad mother does not make her a murderer, but just with everything stacked on top of each other that we're getting in the courtroom, it looked so bad. Didn't look and good, didn't her, look good. Her failure to be truthful with Perry so that he can defend her properly, classic trope... In uh, court case dramas, right? Why didn't you tell me everything? I'm your attorney. How can I protect you if I don't have all the details? Right. Shit. Yeah. We've yes. heard yelled a thousand times. Um, I've loved the momentum build here. I, I, I'm looking forward to this attempted resurrection that will almost certainly go horribly wrong. We all know that baby Charlie cannot be resurrected. That's not a thing that's going to happen. So what will happen? Yeah, and and the other thing is, when I finished this episode, I thought we were through seven. Six. But six, and I'm pretty sure, haven't we decided this is ten episode season? I shall check. Or is it only eight? I thought it was eight, but I've been wrong on this recently. I know, we we, we we always, we get this wrong. They, 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 they change it up too much on us, you know? Eight. It eight. is only eight. Yes. Okay, okay, that makes way more sense. I was, I was curious as to how we were going to fill four more episodes. Yeah, there's... We are. It feels like we're, like you said, hurtling towards the yeah. finish line already. Um, so next week is the penultimate, which, okay. as we know, action-packed. Big things are going to happen. Yes. Typically. Yes. Typically. Oh, I was also just going to just say about your. We, we were talking about the witness. This is what I wanted to say. Hmm. It it's it's one of the things that I feel like is very different in real life versus TV courtroom drama. 
But this is why, like, that's one of the reasons I would, I think that eyewitnesses are considered such weak evidence. Because anybody can get up there and say whatever the hell. Because anybody can get up there and say, and people are dumb, forgetful. Like, in the classic thing of like, hey, what'd you have for lunch last Wednesday? That was the most frustrating thing about Adnan Saeed's... uh, Yeah. I, I don't remember shit from exactly. Pocket. There's no way I could tell yeah, you. Yeah, recall what I was doing all like the details of something of something that you did two months ago on a random ass weekday. If somebody's like, like you're not going to remember shit. Fourth of July, 2017. What'd you do? It would take me hours <laughs> to piece that back together, dude. Yes, exactly. Hours. So so eyewitnesses in general are are not really considered all that credible as as far as courtroom evidence goes. It's probably a good thing. So yeah. Oh God, Matthew Reese's performance. Um, when he first gets up and stumbles and he uh, needs a glass of water very, very badly, then refuses to go get it, then starts to go get it, then stops, coughs again, has to take it from the prosecution. That was just like the most meet-the-parents awkwardness yes, of all time. It's just some really great a- acting. He's a Top Gun actor. Top Gun. That Matthew Reese. Top Gun, Top Gun actor. Also, big props to Chris Chalk. Yes. The guy who plays Officer Drake. He has been phenomenal throughout. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. I can't. I, yeah. My introduction to him. He kind of has a familiar face, but I don't. But I can't. I can't pin it. I don't think I've. I've seen him on anything else. Personally. I'm gonna IMDb this dude right quick just to make sure that we're not the stupidest human beings. And oh well, he's in Twelve Years a Slave. When they see us, Detroit, and then um, he did some Gotham. Okay. In the newsroom. What the fuck? The newsroom. Now we did stop watching the. I never made it through all the way through the newsroom. So I bet that was a later season. I think I did make it all the way through the newsroom. And that's where I know him from, perhaps. Didn't I make it all the way through the newsroom? Did you? Yes, dude. This is a... This is a yes. Yes. Thank you, Ross. You're welcome, Ross. That's all I got on Perry Mason. You ready to move on to the great? I'm, re- I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Huzzah! Huzzah! Let's talk about the great on Hulu, season one, episodes one through five, the first half of the season. Uh, if you are not watching the great on Hulu... You're done with today's episode. Skip forward to the announcements and conclusion. Do not spoil this for yourself as it is almost certainly... Actually, I can guarantee you it will be in my top 10 favorite shows of 2020. Guarantee you. Now, where it ends up will depend on the final five episodes of the season for me. Barrett has seen them all in full, so he's going to have to be careful here as to not spoil everything for me. The final scene that I have seen is uh, the insane aunt of... Peter, the not-so-great, bringing in the body of Ivan to show everybody that he's dead as Peter comes out of his arsenic-poison-induced dream state to declare that he is hungry. Yeah. And, 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 uh... Holy shit, this show is fucking ridiculous. The amount of broken glass alone. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the noise of glass breaking that really brings me joy. Uh, like, well, yeah, why do you think they did it so often? When I play Warzone, I just jump through windows over and over the whole time because <laughs> I really enjoy the sound of the glass breaking. Um, it's also just such a brilliant little way to show you life in a high court back in this era, right? Because they're really, they're really, even the richest of the rich these days, even the 0.1% of the 1%, like those types of people have quote unquote help, but like they were the, 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 you were just demolishing and trashing your own place of residence constantly, constantly here and just having it continuously picked up, cleaned and restored for you. Yes. I mean, just the, the, the difference between like the, just the, the treatment of 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 the in the caste system essentially is just so markedly <laughs> unique to this time period. This show has made me it's framed up several things for me in a in a greater scope. One of which is how many of our world leaders over the course of human history had to have been just absolutely batshit like this guy Peter because they were literally born into it. Um comparatively now we elect leaders that are absolutely batshit, and this is not, I'm not just talking shit about the United States. Globally, we have a lot of batshit crazy leadership, but oh my God, back in the day, unchecked by the likes of social media, the news, etc. Yeah, guys like this were absolutely just running rampant, doing whatever they wanted all of the time. He literally can't even remember 
why he's at war with Sweden, <laughs> which is almost certainly a direct shot at George W. Bush at this point because they brought it up so many different... And he keeps being like, well, my dad defeated the Swedish, so I needed to... And then he like trails off in his thought and can't even fucking... Re- but it just keeps making me think like, th- how many world leaders in these you know monarchies ended up being completely unstable, potentially sociopathic, bipolar? There's a lot of inbreeding going on. Yep. I mean, a lot of countries ended up with crazy people at the helm for generations. And it's no wonder that a whole bunch of serfs and innocent uh, otherwise citizens died in their little wars and shit yeah. in horrible ways. Yeah. And and I mean, we experience and, and deal with all sorts of terrible entitlement in our own way uh, in present modern culture. But- you, you flash back to these leaders that truly thought that they were were ordained as, by God, yes, ordained by God, God in some sort of manifest destiny to be the rulers, yeah. to be the conquerors, to be the kings and the monarchs and the leaders of, of whichever country like it, that. That's basically like having nothing but yes men surrounded you on on steroids and crack. He right? will like repeat. He will say a joke. Then turn around and, gents, I just said, and repeat it to them, and then they all laugh. That's happened, like, what, eight or nine times through five episodes? And it kills me every single time. Recurring theme. So goddamn funny. Um, I'm trying to think of what else big picture stuff is going on right now. So he's clearly survived. Peter has found himself in uh, what I can only imagine is a transformative moment where he is now been affected i'll give you a hint i watched the first like 10 minutes of the next episode too he's been affected by what has just occurred this almost death this assassination is going to result in him acting differently than he has acted through the first five episodes in some way shape or form on the other hand we have Catherine trying to figure out she's trying to plan a coup right with allo she's got this lover she's got her bestie who's uh the surf servant of hers who by the way i still haven't gotten the story on what exactly her dad, the surf servant girl's dad, did to fuck their entire family out of their former residence where yep. now the evil madam whatever lives. She goes in and like hugs the dog that one day mm-hmm. and you can tell she was, and then she gets the shit caned out of her as a result. Um, but all she's said so far is that her dad fucked their family out of their position in society and now right. she's a surf and person. So a, yep. I'm assuming we'll get more on that. Um, she she is, is one, I mean... It, Every performance in this show is incredible. It's one of the reasons why it's so good. But I especially love just like the attitude and and sass that she brings to the the story. She's really, really good in that role. I also, one of the things that makes this show so special and stand out to me is the, uh, what does it say at the beginning of every episode? It's like the great, a sometimes true story. Yeah, right. Um the way they play with the historical context, they add in like weird mod. He makes a reference to salsa verde at one point. Probably a legit reference that they had. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I would. Yeah, huh? But there's like cool little elements of the. At one point, uh, her lover, lover, assigned lover, who ends up just being solid all around lover, mm-hmm. <laughs> rolls off of Catherine, and he goes, "Wow," and she's like, "What's wow?" And he's like, I don't know. It just felt right in the moment. <laughs> like that word didn't exist in their vocabulary. Sure, sure. I love the way they play with all that kind of stuff. And then, um, man, they've just been—they've found a way to speak to so many different things. And this is again one of the things in all my favorite shows. It tackles a whole bunch of different stuff, a whole bunch of societal elements, religious elements, political elements, uh, sexual elements. There's just so much to play with here. Every character is well acted, like you said. The writing is very witty. Very punchy, funny. I mean, dude, the priest tripping balls on mushrooms in the forest. I was like about to cry laughing. Then this, when they're trying to select the next fucking archbishop or whatever, Mm. this dude has none of the prerequisites to become that person, but does mushrooms. And then Catherine, who does not know he's tripping on mushrooms, basically tells him, we need you to do this so that they can have somebody they can sort of control (laughs) and work with instead of some 100-year-old, like, decrepit, bearded man who won't even look her in the eye because he doesn't believe women to be real living humans. (laughs) That was so damn funny. Then he bursts into the fucking hall and, like... The king tells him to look him in the eyes and tells him what he sees. And he's like, the soul of a king. <laughs> and just breaks down weeping and hugging him or whatever. Love that guy. Fucking weirdo, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, just just an unbelievable five episodes so far. I, I hope to be able to, to talk about 
um, on audition that I just put on tape at some point in the future. Okay. But I, I, I will just say, when a show is this well-written, you just really have to applaud it. And, and any show that's well-written, because it is so difficult to do. It, to write a good show. To write, to write a good show and to write people being funny and organic and sounding like they would just actually say that in real life. And like this brings with it an, an additional element that they are – that maybe makes it easier, maybe makes it more difficult. I'm not sure that they are – it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. So they, they have to – we have to be able to understand them, but they also need like that kind of like air of 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 elegance and and old worldliness to, to them. accomplish so, both. To to accomplish both is just really like quite a feat. Um, that's not that's not easy to do. And and I I'll read sides or scripts and I, and I'll think about ways that they could be improved upon or or things that I I note specifically. I'm like that that's nobody would say that. That's not how they would say that. But then. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, then you do it. And there's no way I could. There's right, right, absolutely. Right. I would not even know where to begin writing a script like that. So it's, it's you know, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback it all. But it's just, it, it's such a talent to be able to do, to write like this. This this show in particular, one of the more impressive writing feats that I have ever enjoyed on television. And it's the thing that gives me great hope for the future of the where this story goes from here where the next five episodes go um which you've already seen and i'm jealous but oh last thing i want to touch on the element of uh peter banging out well basically anybody who he he wants at this point but his best friend's wife yeah (laughs) is so damn funny i can't like dude at one point in episode i think four when he gets really upset about having to pick a new archbishop and he like he doesn't want to sleep by himself, so he goes and literally gets in their bed in between them and just yeah. like a little kid, like... Mm. <laughs> also, every moment that the the aunt brings up, like, your mother once looked at you and said that she saw something vile within you or whatever. She is so good, too. Everybody is everybody is so funny and so good on the show. It's, it's just a, really... It's an unbelievable show. Yeah. Unbelievable show. Um, oh, there was one. Oh, them delivering macaroons... To, to the, the front lines of of a war that is being dictated by this lunatic when he's trying to give the strategy on the board in front of all the generals and shit. Like, the guy is, he's the most hateable, evil character ever. And somehow I find everything he does to be hysterical and lovable. Yeah. Even the evil that, shit. That, that, that really turns after this arsenic poisoning too. And it, for like, it, that, that climbs. Oh, wow. First half, you're like, you kind of can't help but think that some of the stuff that he does is... Hilarious. Funny and hilarious. Even if it's super fucked up. But he, after after this poisoning, he kind of like seemingly makes a turn and like just ramps up that charm and you cannot help but like this guy almost as much as you like Catherine. Okay. Obviously not quite because he's an evil douchebag. Yes. Nonetheless. But he's so, he's just so good and funny and insane and they and, keep right. giving you like it's they keep giving you reasons for the way he is right things yep. his mother did to him bit a chunk out of him at one point only a small chunk the aunt says like because he had a dream about that when he was in his fever state or whatever having to watch his dad bone out his aunt because he yeah. was in the corner playing soldiers like shit like that well, you keep getting these moments where you're like well of course it's the same thing we were speaking to the uh, the serial killer earlier in this episode the golden state killer Every ser- most serial killers, if you go look at their childhood, they had some fucked up thing happen that really screwed them up, or multiple things, usually abuse, some kind of sexual abuse. In the case of him, I think he witnessed his sister being raped at some point. Um, it, with Peter, they give us all these moments where you can see how he ended up being such a disheveled, insane right. sociopath of a leader, and that has been just fascinating to see unfold. But I could also feel... Momentum-wise, it wasn't going to make sense for him to remain as hateable as he is and as evil as he is the whole way through. Like, there has to be some kind of shift towards more likability in a traditional sense right? somehow to maintain the longevity of this character or else it's like, does this dude survive to season two? I don't know what... where, And I'm not far enough in to know the answer to even where I would begin to answer that sure. question. But it, just all in all, the the amount of stuff they have going on 
the plotting, the planning, all of it going awry, how nobody seems to be really loyal to anybody. Everybody in the court is just trying to survive this psychopath and like get, stay in the best situation they possibly can. Um, the insane fighting between Catherine and the ladies of the court, freaking hilarious yep. and also just so unbelievably brutally mean at different points when they invite <laughs> her over for the tea dance and then they literally beat, beat the, the shit, shit out, out of her yes. through dance. Incredible scene. Everything. They, the, the show is phenomenal. I mean, like, it's one of those shows that's so well written and so well acted in the story. I'm so enthralled by the story and I love period pieces and I love how they've modernized this one and I love all of the characters and how batshit crazy they are. Rolo is hysterical. Like, he's such a baby about everything. Um, Orlo? Orlo, sorry. Orlo? Orlo? Orlo. IMDb. Orlo. Yeah, Orlo. Hilarious. Phenomenal. Nicholas Holt, L. Fanning, Phoebe Fox, all these dudes, to so much credit, needs to be thrown around the board here because it's just the best. Can't wait to see the final five. Any other notes on uh, the great? That's it, man. I'm I'm looking forward to to for you to wrap up the the back half of the season and, and get to talk a little bit more about what happens about the rest of it. Yeah, I'm almost certainly going to be done by next week um, because it's I like it that much and I've been burning through it hard. So next week we'll do Perry Mason's penultimate episode. Yep, we will talk the great season one in full. Very good. And then uh, maybe some tidbits and such are a top five as well. We'll have to wait and see. And that will do it for today's episode of OCC. Huge thanks to our sponsor today, Hawthorne, for supporting the show. Hit that URL, hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, and use the code DRAGON to get yourself, uh, what was it, 10% off? 10% off. 10% off your purchase when you use the code DRAGON. There you go. You can also support us directly, support OCC, this show, directly in exchange for three or four exclusive ad-free premium episodes every single month by going to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Patreon is simply a platform that allows creators, content creators such as Barrett and I to uh, bring you more without the support of advertising, traditional advertising, circumventing it, if you will, as Job would say. And uh, this upcoming week, this Thursday, we will have our Mollusk Militia exclusive hotline call extravaganza for all the members of the Mollusk Militia tier on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, where the entire episode is driven by their hotline calls on their exclusive hotline just for members of the Mollusk Militia. So if you're in the Mollusk Militia, get your calls in now. About anything. You can ask about anything and everything. Perry yes. Mason, the great. Yes. Uh, it could be about Globus, if you want to talk more Globus. <laughs> if you want to talk more Globus. Um, and also, just, you know, if if, if you already are, are on Patreon and, and you liked what we did a couple of weeks ago, where we just, like, kind of came up with questions and took questions from y'all, anything like that is fair game for a Mollus Militia Hotline Call episode as well. If you oh, just have sure. a general question that you want to throw our way. Hit us. Hit us. Hit us with them. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles to support the podcast and get additional ad-free exclusive OCC every week if you're in the Mollusk Militia or, of course, three weeks of the month if you're in the Crustacean Nation. Just $5 to join the Crustacean Nation. That's the minimum pledge, and you can do whatever number you want from there. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Go check it out. Follow us on social media for updates and uh, Fun content from the best in TV and movies that you can find on the whole of the internet. On Instagram, at Oysters, Clams, Cockles. On Twitter, at Clams and Cockles. And on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I'm Ross Bolin, and you can follow me at WR Bolin, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N. On Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, and listen to my other show, the Ross Bolin Podcast, where we tackle mental health with a lot of comedy and humor and all kinds of other subjects, but uh, an emphasis on mental health and comedy. Uh, it's available wherever OCC is available. The Ross Boland Podcast. Go give it a listen. Just hired a new co-host. He's 21 years old. For all you Gen Z fuckers who need somebody that's more your age, I got your back. Barrett, where can we follow you on social media and hear more of your beautiful voice, sir? Find me at Barrett Dudley on Twitter or Instagram or both. Um, and then you can check out the Club Cool Podcast. Phil was back in the studio with me last week. And then, of course, Ross joined a couple of weeks ago to talk more Dave, specifically the the unbelievable uh, style elements of the show if you have not listened so to that hear, episode of club cool yet you're you can hear more and uh f- more from 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 ross and i and uh yeah man go go check us out go check us out on uh go check oysters clams cockles out on patreon 
again, we, we, we did a little tease, but I think we've got some, some cool stuff headed your way pretty soon there. Um, so <laughs> indeed. Oh, there was one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, if you want to watch today's episode, if you want to watch episodes in full, they're available on youtube.com slash Media. usually a few hours after the podcast is up because video takes a little bit longer to render and such. That's just the way of technology. But youtube.com slash Media to watch episodes of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles and the Ross Bolin podcast. That will do it. Until our next helping, goodbye, friends. Top Twins out. Ooh.